Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, or should I say Smooth Jazz 92.7 WFNZ. Well, if you listen to that song, it's far from Smooth Jazz. That's Freddie Gibbs with Rick Ross, so I don't think you'd uh, be getting Smooth Jazz vibes if you heard those verses. What What is on your face right now? <laughs> I, I just, I'm trying to figure out why you were so taken aback by this beat here. Do you not, do you not mess with Freddie Gibbs like that? <laughs> do you? Yeah. Do you mess with Freddie Gibbs? Yeah, since uh, <laughs> since today when I downloaded this music and put it in here because this is what Wes Bryant put in his little music folder with some beats he wants to come back to. This feels like your type of thing. Does I could it? see you at home with Julianne be like, "This is it. Got some Freddie Gibbs for you." <laughs> While you're you know you're setting the mood with some probably some overcooked chicken. Not overcooked at all. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> overcooked. <laughs> your, your disdain for my cooking <laughs> results in nothing else but lies and a desire to just be included. That's all your issue is. Your, your issue is a lack of inclusion in the in the planning. You're not really you're not really off base. Like we became really close over the summer with the bond of the Mets fandom. Mm. And you never once invited me and Flound over to hang out, and because I was, I had just started the diet, and you know, watch watch a Met game with you, and then like you put all this great food up on on Twitter, and you just never invited us to have any. Let me let me put it to you this way: when you have to basically be responsible for everything that goes in your body, and you have to make everything that goes in your body, it makes you reticent to want to invite people over. So just because I didn't invite you over doesn't mean that I was having these large family gatherings or friend gatherings. I invited none. My social life over the summer was nil. My social life was Julianne and that's it. So that's don't, your own fault. Don't, don't sit. It's not my own fault. I was like, trying to better myself. I was trying to improve my body. Don't, don't sit here and call me out for not inviting you over. Like I was inviting other people over. We were just, I mean, mm. like we basically begged to hang out with you. He wanted to, he wanted to have this out. He, he wants to have this out on the air. Well, and so and you just, you know, you just didn't, you know, I mean, it, it it was really heartbreaking. Like all those times, we'd be like, "Hey, will you want to hang out this weekend?" No. I mean, <laughs> no, I don't, because I don't want to be tempted to eat. Because because I don't I don't want to I don't want to have to cater to you guys, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, put bad food in my house because of you guys coming over. No, but she, we told you, like, dude, we can eat whatever it is you want to eat. We just wanted some guy time. And I mean, dude, you rejected me more than women on a dating app this summer. Mm-hmm. You know how much that hurts. Is that a fact? Yeah, like. All these times I was like, hey, you want to hang out? So, I mean, now, like, you know, I'm embracing this newfound Tottenham uh, 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 fandom that I have. But I 
I don't know. Do I, should I ask you to hang out, or am I going to keep on getting rejected? Well, the the diet will be over by the time you actually uh, have Tottenham play in, so that that'll that'll at least help you. I'll at least help okay. your cause. But I'm not having you over on Boxing Day. I can tell you that right now. Well, I'm going to be out of town anyway, and that's a 7.30 a.m. start, which I have to get up like at 6 o'clock in the morning. You wanted to come over for the 7.30 a.m. Arsenal game uh, way back in the day. So, I mean, that, that you were okay with that. Matt in Greensboro says that if I would never made fun of the dry brisket, I may have been invited over. Is that where you drew the line? Was, it, was there just one too many dry brisket jokes for your liking? It's a little bit much. It's a little bit much. I love I love how IBF talks about Flounder like they are a couple. You didn't invite us over all year. That's, we are a couple. That's actually very funny. <laughs> like I mean, uh, I'm, I'm very comfortable saying that out loud over the air, which is going to make him mad. But we are a team. I can better myself and still hang out with people. Those are mutually exclusive items. I'm, it's it's not about bettering myself. It was about trying to make sure that I stayed on my diet and stayed disciplined. I knew that I would be tempted by things that uh, that other people brought around, like you guys bring around the Taco Bell all around here, and it drives me friggin' insane. I could relate to that, though, because I know when you are trying to do right mm -hmm. and you get around people and they want to eat stuff and they're not on the same thing that you are on, it does apply a little bit of pressure on Ex exactly i did yeah. and it's as always it was not something that was exclusive to you fitty mr i uh, i feel like i am the station and i am the person who controls everything around here i, I mean look you said it i'm just gonna agree with it uh-huh uh meanwhile uh hmm. Being in control last night was LaMelo Ball's aesthetic. Uh, a big victory over Sacramento, 23 points, a career-high 16 coming in the fourth quarter, 12 assists, 28 minutes. Is this the turning point for the Hornets season, Wes Bryant? Woo, that's a big one. I'm not sure if I will go that far, but when you look at some of the numbers, they're improving. Over the last two games, I know small sample size, they're up 13 slots in offensive rating. They're up nine slots in defensive rating. LaMelo last night, one of the things I said that he needed to get better with that would come with age is controlling the tempo of basketball games. We see the Luka Doncic's and Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, taking control of games, controlling the tempo. And that kind of keeps you from some of these blowouts and bad situations. And in the fourth quarter, LaMelo certainly controlled the tempo, scoring or assisting on 20 of Charlotte's first 22 fourth quarter points. So he was running the tempo for them last night. He was in total control with this team. I like what I saw from him last night. I said, I feel like the game's starting to come easier to him. He was out there talking a lot of trash, which even as confident and as brash as his game was, you didn't see LaMelo talking a lot in previous seasons. Last night, he's chirping the guys. He's letting them know, I'm in the building so, uh, and he got a lot of help from his friends. Charlotte shot 61% on two-point attempts. They had 72 points in the paint. And they had a plus 18 advantage on second-chance scoring. But he had a lot of big contributions. Teo Maladon, Nick Richardson was big. Each of them in double figures. Mason Plumlee had 15. Haywood had 19. So, yeah, man, it, it was a it was an all-in performance last night, and they needed it. That game was in ebbs and flows. Hornets make a big run. Kings make a big run. But I think LaMelo made a great showing, especially going up against uh, one of his contemporaries, I would say, in De'Aaron Fox, even though Fox had a, a monster game, 37 points, but he only had two assists. In four games back, he has shot 39% or better from three yeah. in each of the last four. He was 50% uh, last night, 5 of 10 from downtown, 4 of 9 the other night against the Denver Nuggets. And then uh, against Atlanta, he was 7 of 13, 5 of 13 in the game against Detroit. 
Put simply, if this is the three-point shooter that LaMelo Ball is, I can be a little bit more lenient than his uh, on his finishing at the rim and his lack of getting to the free throw line because that's the one thing I always felt was the missing point of his game. He did get to the free throw line seven times against Yeah, Denver. and that's part of controlling the tempo of the game. And and he did not get to the line at all against Sacramento. And the one thing that still is the, the, the hold back point for a lot of people is he is still not figured out how to defend without fouling. Yes. He's taking a lot more chances, and I understand that a lot of those chances result in steals and, and trips the other way, and, and those are big for Charlotte, but not being on the floor in this game or the other night uh, against Denver I yeah. think is, is real, real tough to, uh, to to swallow for them. Yeah, and that's the part Detroit, where I should say. Yeah, that's the part where you really want to see some improvement. Just him being an average uh, defender will help. He's up in three point percentage, even though he's taking eleven per game. So he's up almost four attempts uh, per game. Really, he is up for about three and a half. Uh, as well, but he's shooting 40% from three. And like you said, uh, just shooting a better percentage from two, though. He's shooting almost 54% from uh, two-point land as well. So there's still going to be some flaws in his game, especially defensively, him trying to figure it out. Uh, but as much of a gym rat as he is, and I think as much as he wants to get better, uh, he's going to continue to have to uh, keep working hard because, like I said, to me, he plays – I think the hardest position in basketball, when you look at just the fact of the competition on a game-in, game-out basis, you can't find many NBA teams that don't have at least a solid point guard. And there are so many good ones that he has to deal with on a night-in, night-out basis. So he's going to have to try to continue to get better there. Now, we obviously feel like this could be something that could be a big thing for the Hornets. Uh, Steve Clifford says this is the Lamelo that he knew they were missing down the stretch of this season when they were in that big swoon that they were in. No, right from the beginning, like I said, I, you know, they kind of had us on their heels there at the end of the third and had momentum. And he came out, I believe it went, he hit a three, he threw the ball ahead for a two, then he hit another three. He had the two floaters in the lane. And again, you know, he lives in the pain. You know, I mean, even when they double team him or whatever the scheme is, he finds a way, way to get the ball going to the basket. So he's got great courage. I mean, you, you know, he's confident. He's a badly wants to win. You're never going to have to worry about his competitive spirit. Now, we had him uh, against Trey Young earlier in the weekend, and, and Trey Young was the guy who kind of developed that little one-hand floater. Uh, Lamelo is kind of doing the the two-handed, one-footed floater. That's become kind of his signature and part of his repertoire. Are, are you a fan of him doing that, or would you rather see more finishing at the rim because that means that uh, more trips at a free throw line? Uh, I'm a fan of a lot of the things he does. I think he does need to get to the line more, and that was the thing I said last season where we talk about, again, just my theme of him controlling the tempo of games. You want to see him get to the line more because I think that slows things down when you get into ruts where the Hornets can't make a shot. We know as a team they haven't shot the ball that great this year. And so when you look at them at times, you know, that keeps you from getting blown out when you can slow the game down, get to the line. I mean, they're 17th in the NBA in effective field goal percentage, so not a great shooting team. So you want to see Melo sometimes if things are starting to get a little out of hand, a team going on a run, go to the cup, get a foul, get a couple of free throws, slow things down a little bit, get your team a little bit back organized by going to the line. So I agree with you 100% there. That's another part of his game. I'm not sure how much he likes contact. 
Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why you don't see him get to the line that often because that body is still pretty skinny. He needs to put a little bit more uh, uh, meat on it. And so I think that's one of the reasons why he doesn't like to go to the rack that often, especially with reckless abandon, even though the NBA has gotten very soft as far as just the contact and what they call fouls and not, but you still night in, night out, you get knocked on your keister often. You know, that's going to uh, wear on you physically, and I'm not sure he wants a lot of that in his life at this point. Now, a lot of people have been pointing out LaMelo's maturity from mm-hmm. a decision-making standpoint. Something you and I talked about mm-hmm. before uh, the show today is listening to his interview with Ashley Shavity after the game on television. He sounds a heck of a lot more polished in that interview than any of his appearances that we've had, whether it's on radio, whether it's in the post-game press conference, and maybe I don't know if it's just the one-on-one setting is better, or maybe it's something even deeper where LaMelo is becoming more confident in himself and the way that he presents himself from a player standpoint, and that can kind of go in concert with you know the game slowing down and all these other things that we're noticing from him that might take his game to a whole new level. I know it's a small thing and it's something that's more more oh, nerdy. It's important. Though. It's more nerdy it's on our on our point to point out, but I do feel like it's something that I did notice in the, in the game last. Yeah, night. I don't think it's nerdy at all. I think as the leader of a team, as a franchise player, you have to be a professional in every sense. And him getting on interviews and cursing, dropping the big bombs, and you know just saying things and in, in short spurty, you know, in short spurts and, and, and not giving concise thoughts, I think just showed a, a, a immaturity factor with him. And so a lot of people, you know, I used to watch Ball in the Family on, on Facebook and a lot of people did not. And they think that, you know, LeVar just lets him run amok. And I would imagine that probably in some of the conversations they have had, LeVar would get in LaMelo all the time. They butted heads often on that show if you mm-hmm. ever watched it. And he would be on LaMelo all the time. And professionalism and making good decisions was one of the things he would get on him about. I would imagine that they probably did have some conversations about that. Because, look, LaMelo's the face of Puma basketball. You know, he's he's the face of the Charlotte Hornets. He's a guy that's going to be requested a lot to speak and do things like that. And as the leader of the franchise, I thought that was refreshing last night for him to give good uh, thought out you know, thoughts, pros game, and giving a really professional interview and, and, and giving us a little something besides some of the immaturity that he had before. I will say this. You mentioned LeVar. He has been oddly silent lately, and it's a good thing, I think, because I think one of the things that you could accuse uh, that family of being is, is too LeVar-centric. Uh, I do feel like he is now letting the play of both Lonzo and LaMelo really stand out and speak for itself. Uh, and we're not hearing those, oh, we, uh, LaMelo's got to get out of Charlotte type talks uh, from people because, except from the LaMelo stands, we're always going to be there. But to me, it seems like, you know, a night like last night can go a long way for cementing people because, you know, I was I was hearing this from Mike Lissette of, uh, of Charlotte Sports Live the other day. He was, mm-hmm. uh, I was on I was on their program and he was talking about, oh, the Hornets should think about trading LaMelo and I don't know if LaMelo really wants to be here. And I'm like, that's completely unfounded garbage. I don't think that's the case at all. I think LaMelo's going to stay here. He's going to sign the rookie Supermax and you'll find out whether or not you can build around him. And I think none of that pathway has changed, even despite what has happened for a very disappointing uh, 30-game start to the season. Yeah. (sighs) What? No, I'm just saying. Was that that too much to react to? No, no, not at all. I was just going to say I'm not 100% sold on that. I'm kind of like I want to see it happen. I just want to see what they do this offseason and and what they can do just going forward to assure him that they're about winning and that they want to build a, a, you know, maybe not necessarily a championship 
uh, team that's going to win a ring in the next three years, but just a team that's a contender that LaMelo feels good about going forward. I'm still not all the way sold that he will stay here if things continue to head the way that they're heading. But You don't um, think he'll sign the rookie Supermax? Which I well, for one, I, I know you got to make All-NBA to get that Supermax, that 200. Right. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's going to be hard for him to make All-NBA within the next couple of years just because there's so many point guards. But um, I'm not saying I don't. I would lean more towards him signing, but I'm just saying I'm not 100% sold uh, that he would if things don't go the way he would want it to go. It is Wesson Walker, Willie P. in for Walker Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. I, 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 I'd like to think that they will do everything they can to try and keep him here yeah. in, in, a, uh, in a teal and purple uniform. We'll come back. We'll continue on the second take Tuesday train. We'll look at the Panther defense. It was not as bad as it looked, but still not good enough for the Panthers to win against the Steelers. Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wesson Walker, Willie P. in for Walker. I'm dealing with a delicate situation right now. And no, it's not the delicate situation that's going on in the studio. Uh, our good friend Flounder has stepped in to pinch hit for Josh. We had a little situation earlier, but Josh is okay. It's all right. He's apparently, I, I was told he was quote unquote leaking. I will let people figure out what that means in their own respects. <laughs> you had to go there, did you? Hey man, that's all I was told. By the way, is your important thing, dude? Is this a, is this a wedding thing? It's a wedding. So, it's, oh it's, it's, no! Oh, so I have a delicate situation that I'm having to handle. Uh oh. Mm. So it involves our exit. We're going to be out at the uh, at Byron's down there in uh, in the south, and they got that little alley out there. And one of the things we wanted to have happen was these LED balloons that were at my buddy Roberto's wedding. We can't find them anywhere, and so I have to ask my buddy, who's my best man. Hey, where'd you guys find this? But I don't want to make it sound like we completely lifted something from their wedding because they use this for their exit too. And I have a feeling that his wife might feel some kind of way that we we lifted that. Is that is that something that I should risk? Even though he's telling me, oh no, it's okay. I don't think he understands that this might this might put me in in some kind of a way with her a little bit. <laughs> I mean, did she not did she not like you? It's not that she doesn't like me. I just I feel like that be kind nah, of thing. She doesn't like you. I, it's not that I don't think she likes me. I just <laughs> think that 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 I uh, I, I feel like that there could be some sort of uh, I don't want to say not jealousy, but just some, just 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 some just some tinge about that. I don't know what it is. I don't. I mean, really though, like it's one element. It's I something would hope that y'all thought was cool, and you're t- you're not you're you're giving them a compliment by yeah. saying how cool it was at theirs that you're doing. It I'm at a yours. particular disadvantage here because of the people in this situation that have because uh, I've been to all these people's weddings. I'm like the last one to get married of all these people because I'm ah. like in my mid 30s. So it's like we've taken things from different weddings. Like even my cousin Joe who got married in November. It's like really like come on like. They they literally took stuff that we'd already had planned. It's like, oh, then we're gonna use this too. It's like, really, like really. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it's okay. But I'm having, I'm having to, having to walk that tightrope, if you will, so to speak. Uh, texter saying, no, he did not pull a Selenia. He did not pull a Selenia. That's not what Josh did. <laughs> what? No, no, that's not what he did. But see, this is what I was hoping would happen. People let their minds run free here. So, uh, yeah. It is what it is. Also, uh, this guy is uh, talking about the relentless banter between Fiddy and me. Uh, you know, that's this. It's a long-standing beef that has gone back, 
gone back many years. And so we'll continue that, dear, over the course of the next couple of hours once Fiddy returns from uh, taking care of the leaking, if you will. Uh, we do want to take care of the leakage that happened, though, from the Panthers on defense. And that is why we'll... Uh, Talk into Second Take Tuesday here on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. My biggest issue that I ran into, Wes, was what we saw on third down. The Panthers gave up 12 of 16 third down conversions against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Five of them coming on that long drive, the 11-minute, 43-second drive. You had two completions to Deontay Johnson, one to Steven Sims that was 22 yards, and Keith Taylor was the culprit the entire time. And I keep looking at this, and I'm saying he's trying all he possibly can, but for whatever reason, he could not stand up to the effectiveness that you were getting out of Deontay Johnson and even Steven Sims at other points as well. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers found a matchup that they wanted, and that's what a good quarterback and a good offensive coordinator does. They exploit matchups, and that's what the Steelers did. You're calling Mitch Trubisky a good quarterback? That's breaking news. Well, <laughs> not necessarily Mitch Trubisky, but I'm just saying that – uh, a quarterback worth their salt, especially a guy who's stepping into a situation where he's not the guy like a Mr. Biscuit. If he has a matchup that he can exploit that's going to make him look like he's a good quarterback, they're going to do that, and that's what they did. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, why didn't they take him out? Uh, I know you said that yesterday, but just fans in general watching the game, but I'm like, you know, do you think if they had a better option, they keep this guy in the game? I say no, that's not going to happen. So that's why you saw them continually going back to that matchup, and if they would have put someone else in – it would have kept happening to them as well. Now, I do feel like looking at some of these other plays that I could say actually made the Panthers look good, like the sack with Frankie Louvu combining with Brian Burns. Like, yeah. That was something that we thought of and saw, okay, this is actually a part of the, the game we looked at you said you liked. The problem is we didn't see enough of that. We didn't see enough of the blitz, and I think – the inability of having C.J. Henderson, who, by the way, we heard from uh, those who are at Panther practice today that C.J. Henderson is on the field and is practicing. That's what led to Tay Hayes getting cut today by the Panthers. That was a, a transaction out of that happened earlier in the hour. So that, at least from the Panthers, is encouraging. It means that it looks like C.J. Henderson is going to at least try to give it a go on Saturday mm -hmm. with the injured ankle. But not having Henderson out there on the field really curbed their ability to blitz. And as a result put the Panthers in a disadvantageous situation where they were not getting enough pressure on Trubisky to throw the football and get the ball out of his hands. Because if there was anything going into this week that you needed to make happen is you needed to really speed up Mr. Trubisky's quarterback clock. They did not do that to any effectiveness earlier last week. No, they did not. And so that was one of the things that you wanted to be able to do if you were the Panthers. And they just got whipped on both sides of the ball. That's the only way you could say it. I think the Steelers took a pound of flesh from those guys with the way that they ran the ball, running it for 156 yards. And that wears on guys. Like I said, especially a guy like Brian Burns, who isn't uh, the, the biggest guy out there. He's got good size, but he doesn't have great size. And I think when those big linemen get to leaning on you like that, man, it can, um, you know, soften you up for the pass game and everything else to where you're not quite coming with as much steam as you normally would. What's another play that stands out to you that you look at and say was part of the reason why the Panthers couldn't get the job done against the Steelers? Well, I think a huge play was on the uh, third and three. Ioannidis tipped the pass and mm. Shaq Thompson dropped that interception. Uh, I think that was something that you were uh, able to 
possibly build some momentum for your team, give your offense an extra possession, and just give some feel-good to your team, uh, which at that point was kind of struggling, and Pittsburgh had all the momentum. So I thought that, you know, you talk about missed opportunities when you look back, and I think that dropped interception by Shaq Thompson was a uh, an opportunity to give this team a little bit of good vibes, uh, even if they didn't score on it, just something to, you know, just a good positive play to energize the team. Now, the the other thing too, and they don't have a stat on this. I don't know if PFF does or not, but almost interceptions. I mean, the Panthers, I think, lead the NFL <laughs> in almost interceptions. There was the one with Chin where he was a step slow to it. Uh, the tip pass, like you said, with with Shaq Thompson. There were a couple in the Seattle game. There was the the one where uh, where J C Horn in the Seattle game had the ball on the sideline. That was almost an interception. So that's a part where I look at and I say, okay, you're not making the most of all your opportunities in the football game. And so in that point, it is very difficult to see the Panthers actually, you know, having that kind of effectiveness. Uh, Another play that I come back to is just these, these continued rushes up the middle. Like for whatever reason, I don't know when Mitch Trubisky all of a sudden turned into Tom Brady with the quarterback sneak, but why in the world are they getting that kind of push on these quarterback sneaks? I thought the Panthers were a little bit tougher than that when it came to the big uglies in the middle. Like well, Derek, Derek Brown got pushed around. Now United got pushed around. I have no idea where these this unfounded pit, uh, Steeler offensive line came from at all. Well, like I said, when you got guys running the ball like they were, it wears on you. Like I said, I mean, you could be in great shape and all those different types of things, but continually getting hit, moved around, being off balance, not knowing what's coming next. You know, like I said, it, it wears on guys, and they're not moving uh, with the ferocity that they might move any other time. It's a second take Tuesday on the defensive side. Uh, Steve Wilkes uh, talking about the fact that this defense needs to return to form against the run, speaking Monday to the assembled media after the Panther loss on Sunday. It's it's very simple, but we still got to go execute. We got, you know, eyes, hands, hips, and feet. We talk about our weapons all the time. We talk about playing with violent hands. You know, our defensive line played too lateral uh, yesterday, you know, which allowed our linebackers not to get downhill. And then once we get downhill, we didn't do a great job across the board using our hands and getting off blocks. You know, we had some some basic runs that we've seen throughout the year, as well as going back to even OTAs and training camp that we work on that, you know, we just didn't fit because of, you know, maybe one person lack of communication and not seeing it. So, again, this time of the year, I think it's not so much about the volume. It's just about the base fundamentals. And as a uh, coaching staff, that's what I talked about this morning. You know, I'm not looking to try to increase the volume in what we're doing. Uh, I want the execution. Now, the 11-minute, 43-yard drive is the one drive you look at and you say, okay, that's where things really broke down. But you look at their next defensive drive after that, they forced a three and out with that sack of Frankie Luvu. Now, the last drive that they gave up was the one where they gave up the field goal that effectively ended the football game. But I do feel like they at least showed some fight in that drive after the field goal because that at least kept them in the football game at that point. Unfortunately, they were not able to turn two in a row because that field goal by Chris Boswell from 50 yards out basically ended the football game, put them up 11 with uh, less than two minutes to go. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers just had a, a good game plan, and they were able to continue to apply pressure on the Panthers even after they got a field goal and were able to uh, kind of try to 
find a way to get back into the football game, but it was just all for naught. I mean, it was just missed tackles all day. And then, like he said, guys going laterally on the defensive line, which speaks to, you know, how well their offensive line was controlling things and exerting their will on the Panthers. And it just ultimately led to their demise. Najee Harris was somebody who you and I talked about on the Friday beforehand. Was it anything special that he was doing, or was it more about the fact that that offensive line has provided more holes than we thought the Panthers would be able to uh, to plug up? Yeah, I think the offensive line played really well, and I think Najee kind of used his skills, especially like on a touchdown and one-on-one opportunities. He made the most of that, and I think the Steelers' playmakers were uh, making the most of some of their one-on-one opportunities as well. When you look at Deontay Johnson, because one of the biggest plays, in my opinion, uh, which also kind of led to me asking the questions I did about uh, Jeremy Chan and and J.C. Horn was involved here as well. (laughs) uh, When Deontay Mm -hmm. Johnson caught the pass and broke three tackles, uh, to get a first down. I mean, I was like, wow. And, I mean, he did it in a phone booth. I mean, exactly. that shows the skill that he has, but that was just a, a prime example of what was going wrong with them uh, that day. The Panthers were, or the Steelers were just making nothing or something out of nothing on several instances. Now, the one that, that stands out to me is George Pickens completely mossing uh, Keith Taylor. Yeah, that was a nice. Kid. That that was that was the one where you looked at it and you said, okay, that's part of the what reason why they switched J.C. Horn onto George Pickens, and George Pickens was not heard from the rest of the game. But it was very evident to me that they were not going to use J.C. Horn to follow a receiver before that. They turned that page around. I'm almost wondering if that was done to the detriment of the Panthers, because if anything. You could have varied your coverages against Johnson and uh, Pickens. I'm not saying that Pickens against Taylor would have been a better matchup, but maybe it would have been a situation where you get a little bit of a better read against things because once Deontay Johnson was locked in on Keith Taylor, they beat that thing to death. I'm wondering if maybe uh, you know you take advantage a little bit more of Pickens' inexperience. Maybe he drops one of those two, or maybe the, the throw is not not online. Uh, I'm I'm more inclined to take my chances with J.C. Horn covering both those guys as opposed to just focusing on one. I don't know if that if that's a hindsight 2020 scenario because, again, I, I feel like it, it helped Pickens get shut down, but it also, unfortunately, helped Deontay Johnson just go off after that point. Um, Again, I think shut down is being used a bit loosely here. I think if they did, really— Did they throw the ball the way They did not, George but Pickens. they didn't have to, though. That's the thing. They had a matchup that worked. We've seen Tom Brady as a master at this. When he finds a matchup that works, we've seen him in New England. He might hit the running back 10 times. He might hit a guy that you never heard of 10, 12, 14 times in a game. And so I think that, you know, to your point, I'm not sure what the Panthers could have done because they were going to focus on that matchup. And I think it could have been worse if they'd have left George Pickens over there on this guy because we see the difference maker that he's looking like that he's turning into. We saw the catch that he made in the first quarter. I think he's a better uh, receiver than Deontay Johnson, and we heard my man come in here last week and tell us as much. And so I think that if you leave him on there, I think you get more explosive plays from George Pickens. I think that he probably scores a touchdown or two on him, and that's why the Panthers felt they needed to make the move they could make. I think they could live with Deontay Johnson catching the underneath stuff, maybe making some moves, getting loose, instead of George Pickens and the explosive play ability 
Because I think if they have that matchup, that big catch that you saw wouldn't have been the only one uh, that he got. I just feel like that the Panthers had a weak link on the defense combined with the pass rush not getting there like you were talking about. And they just ate off of that. And teams do that all the time in this league. They find a matchup and they eat off of it all game. And if you cannot find a, uh, you know, a good reason to not go to that matchup. I think teams are just going to continue to do it. And I think if they would have tried to vary the coverage and maybe roll it over there and leave Jay-Z on Pickens one-on-one, I think that Trubisky would have tried him a couple of times. And I think that Pickens makes some plays over there. It is Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. That is a second take Tuesday look at the Panther defense. Josh Marlowe is back with us. You okay over there? Why did my... Ailment have to make its way onto the air. By the way, that that is all your that, that's your couple partner there, Anthony Pagnotta. Why did you give him permission to talk? I I had to ask him. I was going to ask you this question that I had pertinent to or pertaining to my wedding, but I needed I needed a, a opinion that was, uh, you know, I, I was trying to source Wes. I was trying to source everybody, and uh, unfortunately, I looked to my back and I see uh, the Pagnotta there instead of uh, instead of Marlowe. Uh, what was this question? It involves a particular element of our wedding that is something that I have to lift from one of my buddy's weddings, and I'm worried that his wife will feel some kind of way that we lifted an element of uh, of that wedding into ours. Because they're very defensive about these things, people. People when it comes to their own weddings. Oh, you're better than this person, so do whatever the hell you want. Okay. <laughs> is, that, is that a fact? Yeah. You, know, you are going to meet this person. It's, a, it's the best man's wife, you know. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely meet this person. I don't have a wife. Well, I was just saying. You, you, you were just saying. But you, you will but meet you her. But you say this is the best man's wife. I don't have a wife. You are not a best man, though. You are <laughs> That's not, what you think. You are, you, are, you are not a best man. You are not. You are not involved as a member of the wedding yeah, party. Again, that's what you think. Wait till you show up on your wedding day, and I'm up there standing beside you while you read your vows. I hope you understand that I am hiring the best security <laughs> known to man. And Mark from Gastonia does not qualify as the best security no, known to no, man. No, he's the valet Parker. It's a he, he's uh, <laughs> he's he's, he's going to be like uh, Akeem in uh, in Coming to America with the Red Blazers. What he's going to be? I don't know what that reference is. Never seen that movie. Wes, my my guy just does not it does not do anything when it comes to movies. I know, man. I'm not surprised that he hadn't seen that movie. Too so. busy on the grind, man. All I do is work. Uh huh. Work, work up a fifty flash for us. Uh, so this news kind of broke yesterday as we were getting out that Eagles quarterback uh, Jalen Hurts has a sprained shoulder, but Eagles head coach and certified chach Nick Sirianni <laughs> uh, is not willing to rule him out for Saturday's. Showdown with the Dallas Cowboys. The Eagles win just one more game the rest of the way. They clinch the NFC East division title. Let's just act as if this injury is somewhat serious. If he were to miss time, do you think that the Eagles could overcome an injury to Hurts like they did during their Super Bowl run back in 2017 when they lost Carson Wentz? So so you're saying that Gardner Minshew, you're asking if he can beat Nick Foles? I must ask you that question. Um, uh, thank you very much. I wouldn't put it past Minshew because I do feel like there are enough offensive weapons around there to make Gardner Minshew look better than I think he deserves in another roster. Would you say that's correct? Um, I don't think he would make them go on a run like they did with Nick Foles. I think Gardner Minshew, you know, he's a he's a decent quarterback for a backup. But I think that you know Cinderella would 
the sh- whatever the I forgot the reference was Cinderella, but that shoe wouldn't fit at the end of the day because eventually teams will figure him out. He's gonna make mistakes. That's why he's a backup in this league, and I think it will ultimately lead to the demise uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles. I think this is huge news. I think they need to get him right uh, if they're gonna make any type of run. They need Jalen Hurts. He's one of the. I think he is the number one reason that they, that that offense is so dynamic with his rushing and passing ability. I mean, this guy's the MVP front runner. He's got almost 800 yards rushing. He's got almost 3,500 yards passing. And, oh, yeah, 35 TDR right now. So if you're missing a guy like that from your lineup, it spells doom for you as far as what you can do in the postseason. Now, here's the thing. Gardner Minshew plays down the stretch. Turns out a couple of big weeks. Does that mean something the Panthers could possibly go after in terms of a quarterback <laughs> down the stretch? How many backups do the Panthers want to have? I mean, good Lord, is this backup city? They're going to have a backup to the backup. I mean, good grief. I mean, go get a new guy, man. Matt, stop so, stop someone, getting retrained. Someone's got to back up Matt Corral next year. See what I did there? Mm. See what I did there? <laughs> I leaned into the Corral people for the first time. I, I leaned into the Corral. And last Golden time you leaned Corral. into the Corral, you had to go on PhD weight loss. I love Golden Corral. I uh, they got good roles. No, Golden Corral is a good peer. They got they got roles all over the place you don't want to see. <laughs> now, that's true, too. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, Wesson Walker. It is a big day across Major League Soccer. We find out the teams and the places and the ports of the schedule for Charlotte FC. That'll come up at 2 o'clock. We'll preview that schedule release coming up next on Sports Radio WFNZ. vitriol in this building. This is so much back and forth. The, like, like eventually, eventually someone's going to get their feelings hurt to a point where they're literally going to give Josh Fitty Marlowe a nosebleed. I'm not worried, though, because like most of the guys in this building are pansies. That's not true. Like, I feel like I'd hold my own against you. No, I just feel like most people actually like their jobs. If, if, you, if you get somebody in here who didn't care, you know, one way or the other about their job, they would totally want to rear back and... and and fight. I worked with Nick Wilson for eight months, and he never punched me. He cares about his job. He's got a family. He cares about his job now. Did he care when he was here? You got to ask him that. <laughs> that was a little bit of a low blow there for Big Daddy. Yeah, it was. There. But it, I mean, it's all love. And like with like Walker, like the, the thing about it. I mean, I mean Willie, you can attest to this because you worked with Walker for almost two months, and and now Wes has worked with him for a month. During the breaks, like, Walker just exists. Like, he just sits there. Me and Wes could be in a, a whole conversation dragging him, insulting him, and he doesn't even know that it's going on. No, Walker, Walker. when we're not on the air, there could be a nuclear issue happening in the background, and Walker would just be, you know, he, he would be focused on what he, – he's hyper-focused. I feel like he's a rain man. But I don't know what he does over there. Like, I don't know what he's so focused on, but it's never the show or the conversation that's going on off the air. He's, which, watching, he's watching European basketball. Probably what he's doing. That's, that's, that's <laughs> Y'all probably. not going to slay my man. Y'all not going to slay my John Stock. No, I don't want to be Carl Malone. Excuse me. 
I come up with a different point guard uh, combination than that. But yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. There'll be no walk of slander on my watch unless it's me and Fitty together. I, I understand. I totally understand. <laughs> Uh, Fitty never got this mouthy with Nick. Nick put him in his place. That's See, I don't think that's true. how that happened because me and Nick got very mouthy, and it just became very personal. So uh, we finally will get uh, the MLS schedule today from Major League Soccer for Charlotte FC. Top in 90, our good friend Jorge Gonzalez put out the first two games. I can give you a third, just a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of an extra kernel uh, from a league source that I found out. Uh, New England is the first game. It will be at home. So the uh, first time in their club history that they will open at home Saturday, February 25th against New England. Those tickets are on sale. $15 for the upper bowl. Uh, the entire upper bowl being opened up to try and eclipse that 74000 plus that they had for the home opener last year against LA Galaxy. It's a 7.30 start time on Apple TV. Then week two, they're going to go to St. Louis, and they're going to play St. Louis City SC, the brand-new expansion club out there in the state of Missouri at City Park, which uh, will only hold about 20,000. So they're not going to break any records over there at, the, at City mm. Park. What, what, what a shame for them. Why are you so salty when it comes to this new St. Louis club? Because they, they kind of... They kind of shot their shot a little bit during last year. They were throwing some barbs their way when it came to our uh, our roster build last year. They, they were talking bleep before they even played a darn game. Okay, mm. so they and 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 the people from St. Louis, if you have to have been there to kind of understand that they are a special type of jerk hole. They are a special type of jerk hole when it comes to St. Louis. So I I am I am treating that like it is the darned MLS Cup week two next year. I, I want every little piece of St. Louis. I want the Hill. I want South County. I want West County. I Please want get the Chesterfield. Damn arch. I'm, I want the Arch. I want everything. Is this just your Cardinal hate just bleeding over into to very the MLS? Much, very, much, very much so. Because like, I feel like you should be excited that soccer is growing and the, the fact that even in the Midwest it's taking root. No, they don't deserve it. That should excite you, but all you are on here is doing is taking shots at them. I, uh, I can't stand St. Louis. Let's put it that way. I just can't stand St. Louis. They got some great restaurants. Uh, but yeah, that is my cardinal hate. You want you want to know why I hate? It? Because I was out there. I went to a very popular deli in the Italian neighborhood of uh, St. Louis, which is really you know a big soccer haven. Honestly, it really is a big soccer haven. There was a dude at the place I went wearing a St. Louis City SC beanie, right? And I'm thinking it, it was it was the night after they played their first game in their new park against Borussia Dortmund, big team out of the Bundesliga. They mm -hmm. playing that right before the World Cup. And the guy's wearing this beanie, and I said, oh, how excited are you about what happened last night, you know, the, the game or whatnot, or how excited are you about the next season? And the guy's like, this was a, this was a giveaway at some sort of parade I was at last week or whatever. This was a giveaway. And I'm like, really? So it really was kind of a letdown. I'm thinking there should be a lot of great excitement about this like there was for here. I mean, think about uh, everybody around here wearing Charlotte FC gear and really taking it to the club, 30000 a night, 70000 in the first game. And the guy like, yeah, it was, it was just a giveaway. It was just a giveaway. Like, you, you're, you're St. Louis, man. You don't have the clout to sit here and be like, oh, this is not a big deal. Come on now. They miss football, man. They miss the Rams. They want, I guess, nah, man, they're not going to take a shot. And they didn't care about the Rams man. when they were there. Yeah, that's true. They did lose their team. They did. They very, very much did. Maybe I, they care about Nelly and the St. Lunatics or something like they that. They very much do. Nelly, great partier, by the way. <laughs> uh, but week three will be home against Atlanta, and that's a game that's going to be at noon on Big Fox, by the ah. way. 
So they'll okay. be playing at home on Big Fox week number three. Uh, and that also brings me to the point that the TV deal to watch these guys is a little bit different going into next year. It's going to be on Apple TV. There will be a subscription to be able to get all the games that you want. There's also the ability to get a, a second tier. If you just have Apple TV, like the Ted Lasso package, if you will, uh, you can get certain select games on that. And there'll be some also that are just free to anybody on the Apple TV app just uh, by going on there and watching. But if you want every match, you have to do the MLS season patch, which will be free if you are a Charlotte FC season ticket holder. The great advantage of this, as opposed to what happened under the, under the old deal, there are no blackouts for regional blackouts. There are no regional blackouts for anything, even the national TV games. So every game that you pay for is available on that app. So that part of it is a better than the ESPN Plus deal where I know some people who are cord cutters, people without cable, tried to watch last year with the ESPN Plus deal, and they couldn't because they did a regional blackout because they wanted to protect the local TV provider. There is no local TV this year, so every match will be broadcast exclusively on Apple TV, and you'll have that for that particular subscription, which uh, the price, I don't think they released it yet, but it is included if you are a Charlotte FC season ticket holder. Blackouts suck, man, so that's good that everybody will get to see. I know I have Apple TV. I have the basic package. I'll right. Won't be upgrading a word MLS. Yeah, I have Apple TV because I got it for free uh, at first with uh, some type of promotion for something I got. I forgot what it was. And so I got it like that. But then I kept it because there are shows on there that I watch. Maybe we want to do a little password exchange because I don't have <laughs> Apple TV. And I've got almost every streaming platform. Yeah, it's really demand. cheap. It's I think it's, it's like five bucks. Have you seen Ted Lasso? Uh, I watched a little bit of it, and then I got off of it. Oh, come on. I didn't really see what the, is it that what the good, hype Willie? was yes, about it. Yes, it is that. The first season is incredible. The second season was a little bit little bit, uh, little bit, bit not as, as good. Are you also watching Rexham? Oh, I, I watched Rexham. Was I, it good? I, I binged through it in about a week. It actually wasn't bad. Uh, I thought there'd be more soccer in it than there was. Uh, than there was. It was, it was a lot of. It's a little too much Rob McElhenney for me. It's a little bit too much. I'm trying to like get. Like it wasn't It's Always Sunny? Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was not as. It was not as good as Ted Lasso, but it was. It was all right. Yeah, I was. A, I'm a morning news guy. Oh, uh, the, more, the morning ooh, show. Oh, the morning yeah. show. The morning show. Yes. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you don't have Apple TV's video just because of that. Because of your love for Jennifer Aniston. Yeah, that was, is. Is yeah. she as badass as she gives off? Like in the, I guess like the promos for that show. Yeah, because, she is. Yeah. yeah all right, because she looks like a total badass. I watched that. that. I watched C. C was my show, even though that's done now. She, and, uh, uh, my my fiance, my fiance was trying to get me on the one. Uh, what's the what's the horror looking one on uh, on Apple? I'm not sure. It was. Oh, Do you not, watch C? No. Oh, you gotta watch C. Yeah, you have to see it. C is fire. Really? Yeah, it's great, man. It's a great show. I'm trying to. Was it Severance? Maybe is the one that that she's thinking about. I'm not sure. It's one of those ones. Yeah, if you have not, you got to start that. I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll have to check it out. I'll check it out. I am trying to watch It's Always Sunny because I never actually watched It's Always Sunny. Mm. I quit in season four. Really? Yeah. Wasn't good? I just got to the point where like it was the same episode over and over and over again. You need to start Last Chance You. It is it is a it is a uh, that that show is a lot of, not Last Chance You but It's Always Sunny. It's a lot of humor that uh, let's just say wouldn't go over well in the year 2020. Yeah, no, they get away with a lot of things that they say in that show. When uh -huh. I now that part I like, but you know because you're, no, you're, you're a degenerate. Yes, when there's no character development, when there's no storyline, I lose interest in a show. The Texas need to get at you guys though. This is a last chance you on sports station, and none of you guys watch Last Chance You. 
It's because it's because when I want to watch a a sitcom, I need the escape. I need I need I need to get out of you know. I figured as much, mode. but especially you know, I remember we talked about this. But like I said, summertime or a different point. There's like, no way you watch that show and don't get sucked like, like, in. Like 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 the Last Dance for the re- like like all, the only reason I watched the Last Dance was because I'm a, like a huge Michael Jordan stan, and so like that was the only thing that that got me out to watch a Thirty for Thirty. If it's a Thirty for Thirty and it's not a, a team that I care about or a player I care about, I I I, I walk on. I don't care. Wow. I mean, like I said, I think it's such a great show. There's no way you don't watch one and start binging on it. Some of those stories of those kids and just and it's, they're maddening as well. Just some of the stuff that they do, man. And you figure out pretty quick why a lot of those kids are at junior college. But you have to watch, especially a guy like Fitty, especially with the way those football coaches were and the way that he said that his coaching style would be. The coaches on Last Chance U, especially the football are right up Fitty's alley for his style of coaching. It is. Uh, sure, it is uh, <laughs> Weston Walker, Willie P. in for Walker Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. We'll come back and we'll get back into what's going on with the Carolina Panthers. And this report from Mike Kay at the Charlotte Observer on just how Steve Wilkes feels about the future of the QB position for the Panthers. Sports Radio 927 